Was I, that my hair? Or was that a spider? I really hope that was my hair. Well, that's two things that make you go buh this morning. Welcome back to the Derailed Podcast. <laughs> you are not opening with that. I mean, it's a good opening. <laughs> you piece of shit. Do not open with that. Oh. I'm the editor. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> oh, fuck off. All right. All right, shitbird. What are we talking about today? Um, well, we're continuing our horror movie conversation, but before we get into that, um, I wanted to talk about something that we kind of neglected to talk about in our gaming episode or our horror gaming episode specifically. Um, so we've played a lot of video games over the course of our lives. And one of the things that always stands out to me personally, when I play a game is when there is a completely scary fuck shit moment in the middle of a game that is in no way a horror game. All right, very fair enough. Like, I think one of the examples that a lot of people would probably point towards is the goddamn chompy piano in Mario 64. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Like, I think legitimately that is that is still to this day one of those things where anyone who's never played the game before just gets the absolute piss scared out of them when they play it. Mm. Um, there's also another moment in particular that I remember from, uh, it's one of the Hitman games. Um, in one of the Hitman games, there's like an area where like, if you go into a bathroom, a bunch of like really freaky shit starts fucking happening. I don't remember specifically what it is. Let me fucking look into it real quick here. Um... Are, are are there are, is there anything in particular that stands out to you as far as moments like that go? So I I actually had to look up some stuff just because like I play so many games that it all just kind of bleeds together Fair. Uh, unless I played it recently. But I do remember some of these moments and one of the ones that that like got it, like I just read it and it immediately threw and threw me back to the very first time I played Batman Arkham Asylum. The scarecrow levels. Yes, the morgue scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's just fucking uh it it's going in uh you're 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 going after different villains and, and like there's an overarching plot that, that uh revolves around the Joker for the people who haven't played the game. Uh it's been a minute so I don't remember all the fine details, but it's like you go up against like the scarecrow, Mr. Freeze, uh Poison Ivy. Uh, you go up against like all of one. the you go up against like pretty much the A tier rogues gallery. There's a few B and yeah. C tier thrown in there, but it's mostly A tier. And the Riddler is just in the background. That that's that's it. His cameo is voice lines. Yeah. That, oh my god, I complete he doesn't get involved until the next game, right? Uh I if he does get involved, I don't think it's actually until uh, Arkham Knight, I don't think, or Origins. Because, uh, yeah, all of the, the Riddler stuff are all challenges. But there comes a point where you get gassed by the Scarecrow, and for those of you who don't know, the Scarecrow uh, has uh, a fear toxin, they call it, where if you breathe it in, it starts to breathe fuck with your in. head. Sorry. And... <laughs> 
I don't well, even fucking you... play Apex. For me, that's a badger reference. <laughs> oh yeah, fair enough. Um, I didn't even think I didn't even think of Apex Legends. That's that's the the poison character, right? Yeah, I think or his like name is the, like Caustic the... or some shit like that. Caustic. That's right. Anyways, uh, so like you breathe in the toxin, and then like it's supposed to bring out your worst fears realized and it just it royally fucks with batman but it's like there are specific levels where like you kind of succumb to the toxin and you have to go through specially designed levels that are like kind of stealth levels kind of not it's weird but it's like the first time that happens you're like what is happening it, you walk into a morgue and the doors are slamming open and dead people are talking to you and then the, rochitos. Whole, the the whole thing just kind of I'm just gonna ignore that uh the whole <laughs> thing just kind of like breaks away I don't even know what you were referencing but the whole room all breaks of the roaches away becomes, all over the place oh uh, fair enough uh and it just gets batshit one of the other ones that stands out because I I'm just now remembering this fucking the second fable game uh so, i've never played the fable series all all i really know about it is that the first two games were fucking great and then the third one kind of fucked everything up i wouldn't say it fucked everything up it, it just took a different focus mm. uh no, not uh, the the choices weren't as like profound when it came to or really they weren't profound at all uh when it came to like your sense of morality and the way the the story goes because of it. Mm, okay. Um, which was the biggest gripe uh with the game for the for most people. Kind of sounds remember. like kind of sounds like the same thing that uh Fallout Three suffered from. Kind of is like y it kind of gave you like the illusion of choice when in reality a lot of your decisions really didn't have any major impact. The the biggest thing uh, was uh, change of appearance and weapon style, because okay. your weapons your weapons change appearance with you. Uh, but outside of that, it was just like the general like how people see you. Do they cower in fear? Do they like come up and like randomly give you a, a present or something like that? Just like little shit, but it doesn't really affect. Are you story. loved or feared? Why not both? but um but with fable 2 specifically so it has some creepy moments but the thing that stands out with the second one specifically is the winter lodge you find a lodge uh or maybe you take on a quest i don't fully remember but you you find this place uh you go inside you kind of um you find like a present or something. Hang on, I'm gonna I'm gonna read this real quick just to make sure. Uh, that's right. Okay, this, so uh, you solve a riddle and you go. Uh, you end up going into like it doesn't list it, but it's like uh, you solve a riddle and you go into this like other world. Okay. Whether that be through like a painting or or like a um a snow globe, it's just something like that. I think it was a painting. But um, you go into this other world, and uh, it's just a little cabin. Uh, you walk in through the door. Uh, it everything looks nice. 
Uh, but as you go through, like, it starts transforming until it's, like, it's, like, super dilapidated. There's, like, torture chambers. There's, like, an Iron Maiden over in the corner. Like, it's, it's gets really fucked. And by the time you get out of it, you turn around and the place is in shambles. It is just completely destroyed. And fucking there's, like, a wisp of something that you barely catch when you turn your camera around. And then leave, and the painting is just completely destroyed. Oh, fucking terrifying! Oh, yeah. I, I've got. I need to go back through the Fable series because I've got the anniversary uh version of the first game, and then I have the second and third from when I pre-ordered both of those back in the day. Oh man, uh, for three sixty. So I'm over. I, here. I gotta go through it. So I'm over here looking, you know, kind of looking for some stuff that'll like, you know, trigger some fucking, you know, repressed memories from my childhood. (laughs) One that we both should know very well. So get this, right? You know, you just finished playing World at War for the first time, right? Uh, I still have not actually played World at War. Well, just let me set up a scene for you then. <laughs> okay. Let me let me set the scene here. You just finished playing World at War for the very first time. You just finished the campaign. Mm. You're going through the credits and the credits finish. And then suddenly you it, it, it you you are greeted with a scene of like a first person perspective of a character waking up from presumably a plane crash. And there are a bunch of fucking shambling figures, you know, off in the distance that you can see. And then you fade, the character fades out and fades back into consciousness. And then one of those fucking figures is running straight at the camera. The screen goes black and then fucking the bloody fucking text of Nazi zombies fills the screen. Oh, yeah, that's fair. The very first time that I ever played the fucking... uh, The very first time that I was ever exposed to that cutscene, it scared the shit out of me. It caught me completely (laughs) the fuck off guard. I can't say I'm surprised. Like, because at this point in time... This was one of the first Call of Duty games that my parents allowed me to play, first of all. So there's that right there. I was... Mm -hmm. So, you know, just super hype about the fact that, yeah, I fucking finished my first Call of Duty game, you know, can't fucking wait to tell the boys at school about this. What the fuck is that in the distance? Why is it running at me? (laughs) Um... Obviously now, you know, the Zombies series from Call of Duty really isn't doesn't have as many of those like creepy horror-based moments. They kind of deviated into more of like a sci-fi type story. Mm-hmm. Um because I'll be flat out honest, the first like 3 Zombies maps from World at War, so Nocturne, Toten, Verrucked, and Shinonuma have genuinely unnerving atmospheres. Especially Verrucked, because I I don't know who did the sound design on the original version of Verrucked, but I want to kiss you, because (laughs) 
Just the little subtle audio cues that they'll throw in every now and again just to freak out the player are just, ah, chef's kiss. Like, they're absolutely brilliant. Um, but yeah, this has been the Call of Duty segment. We can move on to another game now. <laughs> uh, have you ever played any of the Uncharted games? I have not. Do you know what they're about? Um, I'm probably going to get fucking annihilated for saying this, but this is just, once again, I like to go, you know, monkey simple explanation. So take that into account when I fucking say this. Um, it's essentially Tomb Raider, but the protagonist is a dude, right? I mean, yeah, but no, but yeah. Like, he's a he's a treasure hunter. He's, Honestly, it's like a modern day. Here's a better fucking comparison. It's a modern day Indiana Jones. Yes. There we go. Yeah. So treasure hunter hunting massive treasures like like uh fucking uh like El Dorado or fucking like like the dude is trying is trying to find places or things that are lost to time and thought like mythical relics. Okay. So the first game deals with like it, it's kind of like Curse of the Black Pearl. It's like Aztec gold sort of sort of stuff. It uh, and it's just like, or at least that's that's pieces of it. Okay. But it's like uh, trying to look for uh, God. I see now. Now I might get crucified because I don't. I don't remember because it's been so long since I played. I don't remember exactly what he's looking for. It might be Eldorado, but um, looking for a place with some stuff that was thought to be lost um, after finding a uh, a famous adventurer's diary that was supposedly have uh, coordinates to this place. Deciphered it and, like, is going out. Well, the big thing is... Uh, First which, game is Drake's Fortune, correct? Correct. Okay, I've I've got the moment pulled up here just so I have uh, you know a little bit of something to work off of. So I I remember so I got I have these games on PS3, right? The OG the, the versions. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm fucking I'm playing through it. It's fun. It's a little challenging. Uh but like it, it's a fun adventure game with like some shooting into it, some puzzle solving. It's been a blast, right? Well, you find out that oh, there's like okay, so it seems like uh like a a like rogue faction of Nazis or something along those lines have found this island and have built a bunker and are like like doing experiments and like getting stuff set up for for like another shot at world domination or whatever. Okay. And you go into this bunker and like there's fucking nobody there. Like everyone's gone. So it's like, well, the place wouldn't really be abandoned cuz there's still there's still people topside that like we just fought. You get down deep into the bunker, and then all of a sudden you see this thing, this white-skinned, like, ultra-skinny, long-limbed, 
person looking thing just kind of crawling around the corner and then fucking jumps at you. It's just like, what the fuck is this? Like, did they, did they just fucking like, did they just throw vampires into the shit? (laughs) Did they just, did did they just turn this into a horror game? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And actually, actually there was a, there was a very beautiful stream of our buddy, uh, Yodi. Oh yeah, Yodi. Was, we've we've had him on the uh, on the original version of the podcast. Um, yeah, I was about to say his real name, and then I'm like, no, don't do that. And then I was gonna say his first, uh, his original screen name, and I was like, <laughs> no, that's wrong. Okay, think. What is it? Yeah, he but is. Yeah. He is absolutely, and I, I don't think he'll be upset for us saying this on the podcast. But he is not great with horror stuff at all. <laughs> oh no, he, he's really not. He's really not. I'm tr- I'm trying. Uh, I've I've got my hooks in just a little bit, just a little bit. But um, I mean, he's getting there. He did play through. Like, didn't he play through the entirety of the uh of the n- most recent Five Nights at Freddy's game? Like at the beginning of the year or some shit like that. I think so. The the security breach one, the one that's like a fully fleshed out survival horror game rather than just being like you are stationary in certain in an area and you can only do so much. Yeah, I think so. And he's also played games that are that have horror like horror themes. adjacent. <laughs> yeah, like uh Kona is a good example because it has supernatural like horror-ish elements. Spook yeah. And actually, for Halloween, if we're able to to hang out and all get together, I've got a couple of people that I want to bring over, and we're going to play Year Walk. What is that? Is a, it is a fantastic uh, game that I've played a couple times before, fucking years ago. It's based on, uh, I th- believe it was Swedish tradition. Okay. I can fact check that. But um, essentially, uh, there comes a point where uh, you would go on this year walk and you would talk to spirits and in hopes of getting a glimpse of the next year into the future. It is Swedish. It is based on the uh, it it seems like it is based on uh something something called Arsgang. I could be pronouncing that completely wrong. There's some umlauts or something in it. But you are you were correct in saying that it was Swedish. Okay. So, yeah, it, it's just like you, the the long and short of it is uh you go on you go on this journey to possibly get a glimpse of the next year in the future. Um by interacting with spirits and and that sort of thing, but uh this game is exactly that, but it is very creepy if you look at the art style like it is uh, <laughs> I love it uh originally a mobile game came to p c and I played the p c version and I love it to pieces and it's it's a good story it's not like in your face jump scares or anything like that it builds atmosphere and it it's just like the style itself is just kind of uh, Ooh, so that, um, that sounds good. I love I, I I've said this before. I said it in the horror game episode. I love stuff that builds atmosphere rather than just relying on jump scares. It does a whole lot more for me. 
Yeah. Um, but so I'm we're gonna be playing it all together, hopefully. But going back to it, he played Uncharted and got to the bunker <laughs> and and he himself was just like, did this just turn into a horror game? Uh, because now now you gotta you gotta kill fucking speedy little vampire shits that are fucking grouping up and trying to get you, and then they get like completely unruly and fucking start chasing you out of the bunker at a certain point, and then you fucking <laughs> you gotta figure out how to either escape or figure out how to nuke them. Because it's just uh, and you it were actually anxiety going, and you were actually half correct about what uh, Nathan is going after in the first game. Uh, it is related to El Dorado, but specifically, he's going after the El Dorado sarcophagus, which is responsible for turning these people into these creatures. Apparently, yes. So there is a curse associated with it that apparently is legit. Like, curses are a thing in this series. Oh, I... Oh, my God. Okay, so this is going to be a huge fucking sidetrack. Side I love the concept of ancient curses. Like, I, I don't know if you've heard about it, but, like, uh, when the tomb of King Tutankhamun, more commonly known as King Tut, was discovered, the archaeologists that discover it, discovered it shortly thereafter died. And so, and I think it's also, also this could just be purely speculation, but there's also been a few other reports of other, you know, archaeologists during the time that it was initially discovered, uh, going in there, coming out, and then passing away mere weeks, months later. And so it, you know, it became known as the curse of King Tut's tomb. And it's just, I don't know what it is, like... Fucking just, yeah, obviously, you know, I'm a big believer in the paranormal and the supernatural, but, like, I don't know, curses just hit different, you know what I mean? <laughs> that shit hits different, man. <laughs> Yo, yeah. this shit doing numbers. <laughs> On everyone. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, but, yeah, I just, I, I love that kind of shit. Um, obviously, with the first two episodes of the podcast out there, we're, we were gonna bring these ones up. Uh, first off, the first one that I want to bring up is obviously pretty much the entirety of Majora's Mask. <laughs> just a thick-ass moon just <clears throat> from the sky. Yeah, like, there's that combined with, like, all of the other, like, really weird, creepy decisions that they made for that game, which I absolutely love. I'm not fucking putting it down at all. I love that shit. It's probably mm -hmm. why Majora's Mask is my favorite in the series, is because it is... Yes, it is the semi-sequel to Ocarina of Time, and it uses the same engine and a lot of assets because of some development stuff. Um, turns out, uh, on, uh, Eiji Onuma, I, if I pronounced the name correctly, uh, the reason why the game was made in the time period that it was is there was already an expansion of Ocarina of Time being worked on, apparently, and he essentially wanted to challenge himself to see, essentially, how good of a game he could make in such a short time. <laughs> 
Mm -hmm. So fun little trivia fact about that. Um, but yeah, it's just, it stands out to me because there are so many elements of it that are just completely out of place for the Zelda series, but would be right at home in something like fucking, uh, God, I don't even know of anything that's like fantasy horror. Like, I mean, you know, there's fucking, like, I could reference plenty of fucking, like, D&D, or fucking, uh, you know, uh, Call of Cthulhu fucking one-shots and shit like that. Um, but Only because I don't know the full lore, um, I would, just at first glance or seeing the gameplay that I have, I would actually attribute The Witcher to, like, fantasy horror. Mm. Yeah, The Witcher has a little bit of that in there. Um, odd, oddly enough, um, The Witcher actually popped up here on one of these lists. Uh, during one of the DLCs for The Witcher 3, you explore an area called the Von Everick Estate. Um, honestly, giving me some real Briarwood vibes with a name like that. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah. But yeah. Everything goes back to D&D. <laughs> D&D, the viewist universe, are dead meat, apparently. Spook yeah. Spook Um, But yeah, when you get there, you meet the caretaker who... Uh, did, you ever see, uh, did you ever see the second Hellboy movie? Uh, the, I think it's like the Golden City or some shit. Like, Golden Army. That's what it was. Uh, the second one with uh, Ron Perlman. I, I know it's when you're talking about. It's been so long. I have seen it, but I don't remember fucking any of it. Um, well, there was like a character. I'm not even sure if this is Hellraiser or Hellraiser. Fucking Hellboy. <laughs> Hellboy or fucking. Um, I could be totally wrong. And it's like something from like fucking Pan's Labyrinth or some shit like that. Or something fucking Guillermo related. Um, wait mm. a minute. Isn't wait. Aren't those Hellboys movies? Guillermo. Yeah, Guillermo del Toro did the, the two <laughs> okay, Hellboy so movies. Okay, so it's it's something Guillermo del Toro related. So more than likely, um, the dude who's got like no face and like his hands are on his eyes. Uh, uh the oh that uh, that sounds that sounds like the uh uh the white face. Uh, demon from Pan's Labyrinth. Okay, so maybe I am thinking of Pan's Labyrinth then. Like he put you're, you're talking you're talking about like like big ass hands and like the the eyes and the palms and like yeah and he puts, puts his, it up to its face yeah to where his eye sockets would be. Yeah, that's Pan's Labyrinth. Okay, that's, that's the white face demon. Okay, see, I thought it was something in that same in that vein. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what this thing looks like, and yeah. Even in a game like The Witcher, where I know there's a lot of, like, monsters and creepy shit involved, this would freak me out seeing it, like, genuinely for the first time. Oh, yeah, I'll bet. Um, but yeah, so you've got, the, like, pretty much the entirety of Majora's Mask. Uh, we haven't... <laughs> you know what? I'm not even gonna fucking bother bringing it up, because I want it to be a surprise. So I'm just gonna keep talking about the ones we've already talked about. Um, fucking Ocarina of Time, the entire segment of the game that involves getting into and the Shadow Temple itself. Like, that is, like, 
That has got to be one of the creepiest things in one of the most innocent-looking games ever. Shadow Temple. So you're talking about... Uh, you're talking about Ocarina of Time? Yeah. Right? Okay. Uh, still have only gotten to Adult Link and never went further. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to fix that. Or no, that. maybe, maybe the... Uh, the uh, was it the the forest temple? Is that is that still adult link or is that kid link? That's the first temple you do as adult link. Okay, so I've gone through I've gone through that, but yeah, the the rest nah. That just sounds like it's something still- else we need to remedy with a stream then. Um, oh, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's on Switch now. So, so uh, oh like yeah, with the N64 online. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, we can do the fucking tandem thing with it. Yeah. Um but so okay, the entirety so when you first become adult link, Sheik kind of like hints at this area being very out of the ordinary because he's telling you where you can find all of the sages that you need to locate. Uh you know, one in a deep forest, one in the heart of a volcano, one under a vast lake, and when he references the Shadow Temple, he says one in the House of the Dead. And so this is the first time that you actually have to go back to being Kid Link in order to continue through the game because you have to use the Song of Storms to drain the well and then there is a dungeon hidden at the bottom of the well in Kakariko Village. Oh, that's awesome. And it is one of the... This is just the start. It is one of the most unnerving moments in the game. Because there's fucking skeletons everywhere. They made sure to like only include like the creepier enemies from the game in this section. Like, and they introduced a new enemy in this section called the Dead Hand. Have you heard of this fucking thing? The Dead Hand? Look it up. It is one I mean, of... I've played, I've played other Zelda games where it's like, uh, basically just like a disembodied hand just like grabs you and sends you back to the beginning of the dungeon. Oh, no, 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 no. That is, that is something completely different. Okay, looking it up. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. This what is... What are you? One of the most terrifying things that five-year-old Ian has ever seen. And I thought the re-dead were creepy. Holy shit. Yeah. This fucking thing is unnerving as shit. So, if that wasn't enough to add to the creep factor of this section of the game, one of the other things that you... The the Shadow Temple itself is, is essentially the tomb of Hyrule's royal family. And when you enter a certain section of the Shadow Temple, um, God, I can't remember the quote off the top of my head. Uh, where is it? Uh, God damn it. Uh, save me. Keep talking about something while I'm going over this. 
fucking give me your reactions uh, on this fucking thing. <laughs> uh, actually, like I, I had mentioned Redead, and I feel like that's like while you're looking stuff up, that's a another fair like even earlier in the game. Oh like, yeah, oh, yeah. Pu- plays this cute little kid like going around finding stuff, and you know like. Oh, uh, you know, go against Ganon. Yeah, hell yeah, adventure. All of a sudden, you get to Adult Link, and all of a sudden, there's these big fucking, like, ten-foot-tall zombie things just chilling out in front going, and fucking reaching after you. That shit, if you're a kid, like, all of a sudden being confronted with that and you're not used to it, especially in a game like that, that will make you shit your pants. Oh, yeah, when I was a kid... I legitimately refused to play the adult portion of the game because the because the the thing about it is and the reason why I say the dead hand traumatized five year old Ian is because five year old Ian watched his dad play through the entirety of this game. Um, oh, dope! Uh, fucking the uh. Yeah, so I would refuse to play the adult portion of the game because whenever you spawn into the game from the title screen, unless you're in a temple, the game will always start you as an if you're an adult in the temple of time. And in order to get to the rest of the world from the temple of time, you have to go through the destroyed ruins of Hyrule Castle Town, which is where most people encountered these things for the first time. Mm-hmm. That's what I said earlier on in the game. Yeah. Uh, well, see, the thing is, you can encounter them literally after the first dungeon, if you so choose. Wait, what? Really? Yeah, so while you're a kid, you go through you go through Hyrule Castle, you meet Zelda, and you learn Zelda's lullaby, right? Uh-huh. The next place that you have to go to is Kakariko Village. Uh, uh-huh. If you go all the way through Kakariko Village into the graveyard... And you go all the way to the top of the graveyard. There's an area with a large headstone and the Triforce on the ground, obviously telling you to play Zelda's lullaby in that spot. Um, so you play Zelda's lullaby in that spot. A really cool cutscene plays that causes the headstone to fucking explode and reveal that there is a secret. Uh, there's like a secret hole underneath the headstone. So you drop down into this hole, and it's like, okay, you're kind of in like a, like, you're under a graveyard. Of course it's going to be fucking creepy. <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, so you kill a few bats in one room, and it, un- and it takes the bars off of a door for you to go to another room. You go through that door, room full of redeads. You are oh. child Link at this point, and I, I yeah, I'm not even 100% sure... At this point in the game, you only have about four or five hearts. These things can kill you in a matter of seconds in this part of the game. (laughs) Can't they, like, paralyze you too? Yes! That is actually one thing that you don't get to see a lot of, because for whatever reason, the Redeads in Castletown don't have this effect. Um, but yeah, if they look, if you're, that's why when you fight them, you're not supposed to target them because that means you're looking at them. 
So if you are, if one turns towards you while you're targeting it, it paralyzes you in place. And it's usually within a close enough range to attack. Um, uh, big yikes. Yeah, it is fucking genuinely an unnerving fucking uh an unnerving fucking enemy in the series and they've continued to be throughout they've made other appearances and they just get creepier every time they show up <laughs> what do you think is worse the original look of the redead or the uh toon link uh version of the redead they which which, which is worse i honestly really don't think i have one which is worse because you know, you're, you know, it's like, I, I don't want to compare the two different art styles because obviously it's two completely different interpretations and both have their extremely creepy merits to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I had to say, if I had to say, if I had to pick one, I would say Ocarina of Time just because there's childhood trauma tied in with it. <laughs> That's fair. like, I didn't play Wind Waker until I was an adult, so. Um, but yeah, and the thing that I was looking for from the Shadow Temple, you walk into this, into an area of the Shadow Temple, and the game stops you and throws this text up on screen that says Shadow Temple. Here is gathered Hyrule's bloody history of greed and hatred. Oh. And yeah, the Shadow Temple also has all sorts of just really fucked up imagery there's fucking there's blood on the floor there's fucking chains there's fucking reapers there's like statues of grim reapers there's fucking guillotines that you have to pass through like the atmosphere (laughs) in this temple is top fucking notch 100% um but yeah, that was that was definitely a moment. Those are definitely some creepy moments in non-horror games that I had to bring up just because we have an unfortunately still ongoing series with the Zelda games. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We still haven't <laughs> we still haven't wrapped it up. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, um one of the last things that I want to bring up as far as this uh this thread of conversation goes and then uh we'll take a quick break and get back into the horror movie talk uh cuz we actually managed to carry on this for quite a while I'm surprised this was only supposed to be like maybe like a 15 20 minute opening segment <laughs> we're now hitting 40 <laughs> minutes <laughs> yep um one that I definitely want to bring up just simply because like it's definitely one that caught me off guard, and it's a very recent one for me. Um, Vault 22 in Fallout New Vegas is probably one of the most unnerving locations in the entirety of the series. So I've only played pieces of New Vegas, so you'll, you'll have to so explain it. Vault 22 is located... West, far outside of the city, the actual city of New Vegas. And the thing about this vault was it was a, as we all know, when it comes to the vaults, they, they were 
masked as salvation from the impending nuclear destruction, but in reality, it was also a cover for horrific scientific experiments in a lot of cases. Um, scientific and social experiments, as I, I can't just say that it's scientific either. Mm. Um, this one in particular was to, st- was to experiment with, uh, I think it was like, it, oddly enough, it's something that's a very hot topic in today's world, uh, genetically modifying plants to be able to survive the harsh post-nuclear wasteland, so that way you know, vegetation and plant life can thrive in this new world. Okay. Shit went fucking wrong, my guy. So... Like, how wrong? To the point where when you get to the vault, there is vegetation overgrowing outside of the door. Okay, that's cool. It also resulted in man-eating plants. That's less cool. As well as, uh, I can't, uh, I can't remember their exact names at this moment, but essentially spore zombies. So essentially kind of like, uh, not the exact same concept, not the exact same concept or even design, but, uh, reminded me a lot of clickers from, uh, Last of Us. Oh, oh. Oh, mm. so it's like, okay. yeah, very unnerving humanoid type creatures mixed with plant life. And when you're going through this vault, the first couple levels of it, there's not really much going on. It's like most of the other vaults in the game. It's completely abandoned. And then you get down to like the third or fourth floor And these things just start jumping out of the fucking brush at you. No fucking warning whatsoever. I have wasted so much ammo in this vault, it's not even funny. (laughs) Because It's still pretty funny. Because no matter how many fucking times I play through this game, and recently I've... It seems like I'm restarting it on almost a weekly basis. Um... Like, it... They catch me off guard... Every fucking time. I'm never ready for them. Dope. Like, it, it is just... And, and, you know, combined with the atmosphere of the vault, because, like, there's, like, fucking plant spores just kind of floating through the air. Like, it genuinely feels like a fucking... Uh, uh, almost like a... Uh, yeah, honestly, really, the only thing I can compare it to is The Last of Us. Because The Last of Us really had a, a big focus on, like, the overgrowth of plant life benefiting these creatures. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but, oh, God. That was just, that's a, that's a recent one that I felt the need to bring up. Uh, do, you have, do you have anything else you want to bring up before we go to break while we're still in this vein? Uh, other than the uh, the usual rock star throwing some random creepy shit into like GTA or Red Dead, yeah, like vampires in Red Dead Redemption Two. Uh, the, I'm pretty sure there's a couple of ghosts and shit in like GTA Four and Five. Yeah, I know you like, can. Uh, I know you can. Like out, I think outside of Undead Nightmare, you can go after uh paranormal creatures as hunting exploits in the first one. Mm-hmm. 
like I think you can yeah, go after like time. a like a chupacabra and shit like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, a Rockstar does a lot of that shit. I, oh uh, yeah, didn't they do Max Payne as well? Because I oh, know there was like a yeah. nightmare sequence in Max Payne. Max, well, I I wouldn't consider Max Payne to be like a horror horror game because I think it's more meant to be like kind of like a story. I could be totally wrong about this, but Max Payne is kind of like a kind of like a Punisher mixed with Constantine type of thing, right? I have no idea. There's I have zero basis for Max Payne other than fucking uh slow mo jump simulator in the third game that I saw a lot of compilations for. Okay. Where people would be fucking stupid about that. Or uh the um I I would have to look at uh current ratings because I don't remember if it was like just mediocre or if it's absolutely terrible. But the Max Payne movie. Oh, with Mark Wahlberg that the yeah, I I think that, that got was bad shit in its own right. Let me take a look here. <laughs> just give me a second. Just give me a fucking second. Because that was just <laughs> bad shit in its own right. Um, yikes. Uh, <laughs> um, so it, once again, is it terrible? Like I said, this isn't like the definitive source for movie ratings. It's just a very common one. On Rotten Tomatoes, it sits at a 15% critical score and a 29% audience score. So yeah, I think it's pretty right. safe to say it was pretty panned. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, so with that, uh, we are going to take a quick break. So enjoy these messages from that dog shit idiot of an editor. All right, cool. I got a shit. <laughs> Have you guys heard of Anchor? Well, if you listen to this podcast, then you need to go show them some love. Because without them, creating and distributing the Derailed podcast may not have been such an easy feat for me and Fish. Anchor is hands down one of the best ways to get your podcast out to the big streaming platforms. Why is it the best? Because it's fucking free, man. There's no monthly fees and you can upload as many episodes as you want. Not only that, but they offer a gaggle of tools that allow you to record, edit, and upload podcasts from your PC and even your phone. And once you've got your masterpiece in hand, Anchor also makes it extremely easy to get your podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or pretty much any other podcast service you can think of. They also offer options that allow you to monetize your podcast. And get this. Some of the options have no minimum listenership required. So if you've been looking for the sign to start your own podcast, this is it, kids. And the best place to start is by going to Anchor FM or by downloading the Anchor app on your phone. Hey, do you like D&D? Do you like fish? If you answered yes to both of those questions, then holy shit do I have the show for you. Go check out Stream for Initiative on Twitch, man. We're a group of VTubers, with the exception of our good friend Fish. He don't do the VTube and stuff. Uh, they get together and play an ongoing campaign of D&D. It's heavily RP-based, and the group dynamic is just phenomenal. And unfortunately, as of right now, the party is split. Not like the Beatles, there's no Yoko here, man. But in order to compensate for everyone's lives outside of the game, they had to split the group into two. Now you may be saying to yourself at this point, comma, where the fuck do I find this magical group of characters? Well, give me a fucking minute, I'll tell ya. You can find them live every other Sunday and Friday at 7pm Pacific Time on twitch.tv slash streamforinitiative. You can also follow their Twitter page, at the4initiative, or hell, you can even visit their shiny new website, forinitiative.net. 
You like me and Fish enough that you want to see us outside of the Derailed podcast? Well, you can sometimes find us live on our Twitch channels, and sometimes we stream together, but other times we're doing our own thing. You can find Fish at twitch.tv slash fishkidmal, and you can find me at twitch.tv slash comacrazygametime. If you want to stay updated on all things Derailed podcast, or shit, just even what the hell me and Fish are up to, you can follow the Derailed podcast on Twitter at NimrodEntYT. That's Nimrod, E-N-T, Yt. You can find Fish at FishKidMal, and you can find me at ComaCrazyGT. Alright, so before we continue on with the uh, Friday the 13th conversation that we were going to, we were initially going to start in on last week, but we just ran out of time, uh, Fish brought an interesting concept to the table, so I'm going to let him take the lead on this. So, uh, top three of which it, it may turn away from this, but top three horror movies that are not part of franchises. Because there's quite a few out there that, that I can that I can think of. Um and the top of my top three is a movie called Hereditary. That's a good one. That is a fantastic one. It's it's fucking beyond creepy. It has a really like fucked up story beautiful acting uh and beautiful cinematography the entire way through and it like there's a if you've seen it you know which scene i'm talking about but there's a scene uh like the pivotal scene for everything that happens in the latter half of the movie had such a hard impact on everybody in the theater because i got to see it in theaters i double featured it with deadpool 2 beautiful seems like a weird double feature i saw deadpool 2 first and then went into hereditary and i'm glad it turned out that way because if i would have gone the other way i don't think i would have enjoyed deadpool 2 nearly as much because i was hung up on hereditary for days was this uh was this at the drive-in no this was i bought two tickets over at the galaxy theater down here oh okay yeah um, but yeah, it's so good. Like everybody in this film was just fantastic. Tony Collette is like, she's, she's great in whatever she does. This was a standout performance in my eyes. Ooh. Like just the, the, like, just so you know, my reaction to that is completely based on the fact that I, Personally, I really don't think I've ever heard Fish use that compliment. <laughs> yeah, well, like it, dude. You've seen Hereditary, right? I- I've seen enough of it. Oh no, we got to sit down and watch the whole thing, my guy. Oh yeah, that that's one that's been on my list for a while now that I need to sit down and watch the full thing. But it- it's like a situation I. Obviously, it's not the exact same situation as Halloween Kills, where it's like, eh, I've seen enough. I don't need to see the full movie. It's, uh, I've seen enough to garner most of, you know, enough to hold a conversation. Okay, well, there is a pivotal scene that kicks off, like, the entire latter half of the movie. Immediately after that, the mournful, like, wails of just, like, such a like a heavy loss yeah like like a mother like a mother losing a child just like that mournful like 
like she delivers that in such a way that like you can't listen to it without like squirming yeah it's so good it's it's, yeah it's it seems almost like completely genuine as if she is borrowing pain from a personal experience you know what i mean which which i haven't dug deep enough to know if that's like if that is the case or not i'm hoping it's not yeah and she's just that good because holy shit (sighs) but yeah that whole movie is fucking fantastic easily my favorite horror movie out of out of the bunch like especially from recent memory like it takes the top spot for sure and i i just i love horror movies so like there there have been some some top contenders for a while this one takes the cake uh the next one in uh my top three is the witch which both hereditary and the witch are a24 productions okay uh, so they are, uh, they deal predominantly with like the weird shit, the, um, the independent stuff, but actually giving them a budget, um, <clears throat> which anything that, <clears throat> oh God, uh, anything that a 24 is a part of, I kind of immediately get excited for. Yeah. Uh, because they, they, like I said, they do all the weird shit. They they're the 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 company that takes the chances on on these filmmakers and these stories, and in my opinion, always deliver. Like for for what I'm looking for in in a movie, just in general, whether that be the story, the acting, the uh, the the filmmaking style, you know, whatever, they get weird with it, and I love it. Yeah. <clears throat> What the fuck is wrong with my voice? <laughs> um, but the witch is um, is kind of a period piece. Uh, a family of six, so um, with a newborn, they are kicked out of their. Uh, uh, I believe it's the 1700s. It's, it takes place in like colonial times. Yeah, it takes place during um, like Salem witch trial days. <laughs> But um, due to uh, religious strife, I think is a part of it, or at least the main part of it to start with, mm-hmm. they're kicked out of their colony and forced to build a home out in the woods. Um, and there's a story that goes like there's there's a witch in the woods who steals children and, and that. Um, and that's exactly what happens. Uh Anya Taylor Joy, uh, who I think like most people would would immediately recognize from like, um, I think the the it's called Queen's Gambit on Netflix, okay, uh, or like um, Split, uh, from M Night Shyamalan, uh, or I haven't seen it, but New Mutants. I think she was, uh, I think she played somebody in New Mutants. Oh, okay. Um, but I really enjoy her as an actress. This is definitely a standout performance for me. Uh, with with like what she's done because, well, a lot of it's it's in that old like that old school English, like very period accurate and kind of hard to understand if you don't understand the context of like what is going on, uh, and how the dialect actually works. Uh, that that's the thing about the um the director. 
Robert Eggers, I believe. Yes. Um, like very it, whatever he does, he goes kind of full bore into it. This one especially. So it's like wanted the dialogue to to be what it was at that time. So it's very period accurate from from the research that I've that I've done. But family family of six. So mother, father, uh, eldest daughter who's taking care of uh, the two younger twins, uh, fraternal twins, and uh, the newborn baby. And the newborn baby gets gets snagged by the witch of the forest. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. No, I, I'm so sorry. Family of seven. Because there's the the middle boy uh, who goes through a lot of shit on his own. And holy shit, (laughs) the acting, dude, the acting that comes out of this kid, like, he's got a great fucking future. Like, if he's able to snag roles and do this well with every single one of them. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. That is huge expectations on a young actor. I apologize, but he's just so good. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it, it, gets, it gets totally batshit, and it's fucked, and it's just so well done. Again, like, everything comes together in such a beautiful way. The set dressing, the, which I think it was a, like, they legit made the entire set or the, the entire, like, location built from actual materials that would have been used at that time. So really went full bore with the historical accuracy. Again, this is going off of memory from research that I've done in the past. So I could be, I could be off the mark. Right. Um, but I, I do remember that, that authenticity being a huge factor. And so, so like, yeah, the, the cinematography, the, the location scouting, the, the set building, fucking the everything the acting everything (laughs) just it's so good and the last one on the list uh for my top three uh horror movies that are not part of franchises lights out because the characters are smart uh fuck why can't i remember what lights out is uh, Lights Out started as a as a short horror film, only a few minutes long, uh, on YouTube for a uh, I think it was for a competition. But it's like the um, the premise is this: this woman's in her apartment uh, and goes to turn off the hall light and sees a shadow towards the end of it. Nope. Freaks out, turns on the light, and there's nothing there. Mm. And just, like, fucks with it a few more times. And it's just, like, every time she turns off and on the light, the, the, uh, it looks like a woman at the other end of the hallway would blink out and blink back I've in. I've seen the short film and that you're talking about here. Okay, now I know what this is. The director for the film, uh, I believe is the same director who made the short film and was produced by James Wan. So, uh, because I do, I do remember that that being yeah uh, produced uh, by I, I will produced by James Wan, directed by David F. Sandberg. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, like they got together, they got the funding together, and and we're just like, you want to make this short a full movie, and of course. 
now that we know like the movie the movie's out and it's great they, that's exactly what they did right and it's so good because it's like it it's creepy it uses light and shadow in a in a very like jarring way because it's just like like it it makes you really legitimately feel unsafe yeah like in the dark and there's actually a scene where one of the main characters um uh a uh, uh, young adult woman uh or like uh like late teens early 20s uh has a little brother who um like she's ostracized from her mom uh who has custody of the kid and like they're going through their shit she's going through her shit she lives uh above a tattoo parlor okay and it has a big neon sign that flashes so it's just like on off oh, on okay. off and so they actually use that and play into a scene where it's just like like you see in in the doorway of her bedroom this like stocky like like weird little fucking woman uh that's all shadow just kind of pop in and out of existence uh if the the neon light turns on or goes off and that that's the thing about uh about stuff that James Wan is a part of uh I've noticed is um everything he has his fingers in there's one very consistent thing that I've seen when it comes to straight horror. I'm not sure about Malignant. I haven't seen it. It's it's a uh it, it's a subversion of tropes from what I understand. Okay. But most everything else uh that has been straight horror like the Conjuring universe uh or like Lights Out or other projects is at, like there's always an atmosphere being built that makes the scares hit hard. Okay. And that's one thing that we that we agree on is atmosphere is important. Oh yeah, like it can't it can't just be jump scare sense. Yeah, a cheap jump scare isn't an uh, when it comes to movies, like games will fuck me up all day. You know what I mean? Like mm. uh, when it comes to a cheap jump scare in a movie, it's not going to be nearly as effective if there wasn't the atmosphere building leading up to it. And this movie gives atmosphere. It's beautiful <laughs> because they they really they really let you stew in the what are they going to do? What are they going to do? And there have been enough times where it kind of goes against what you think it's going to do. Only to come in and hit you from a different angle. Yeah. And again, the characters are smart. Like, uh, the boyfriend of that that uh, woman that I was talking about, he gets grabbed at a point, and, like, you think, oh, he's he's so fucking dead. Yanks his car keys out of his pocket and hits the lock. To where the the headlights flash and she drops him, huh? Uh, that that was one of those cases of I turned, I turned to my buddy who I was watching it with, and we both went, "Get that man a medal!" <laughs> oh shit! But yeah, the, those are those are my top three, uh, at least of the ones that that like first come to mind hereditary is very at the top the witch is very close to this, uh a very close second 
Lights Out is a very close third uh, if nothing else pops up. So we have your main, like your top three. Um, is there an honorable mention that you would like to bring up? Yes. Uh, Annihilation. Okay. Fantastic choice. Uh, <laughs> I honestly was going to, f I honestly assumed that that was going to be in your top three. As much as it, as much as I would love it for it to be, it's not strictly horror. Uh, predominantly, it's sci-fi. Fair enough. Uh, with with some pretty strong uh horror elements. Uh, but I I would still I would still consider it mostly uh uh sci-fi. Okay, so this took me a little bit to this took me a little bit. I really needed to jog my memory as far as like non-franchise horror movies. And these aren't exactly my top three, but these are three that I enjoy very much, and I would actually really like people to go check them out. Um, first of which being My Bloody Valentine, either the 1981 version or even the remake that had Jensen Ackles from Supernatural in it. Um, I forgot he was a part of that. Like, it... The only reason that I say that the only reason that I am even suggesting this the remake in this situation is just simply because it is essentially just a shot for shot remake and they did it extremely well. Even with the premise of even with the main selling point of the movie being 3D. Yes, did they over did they overuse the 3D gags? Of course they did. It was a 3D movie. For me, though, personally, it didn't take away from it, it. It didn't take away from this movie at all for me. I I absolutely love this one. Um, all right. Yeah, and also I'm not gonna get too. It, I'm not gonna get too in depth with my picks just <laughs> simply because, like, it. Yeah, like I had to fucking delve into the depths of my fucking memories to fucking pull these at, to recall these even. So, yeah. <laughs> that that's fair. Um it happens. The second one on that list would definitely have to be Black Christmas, the original 1974 one. Ooh, okay. Uh to this day, barring movies that involve uh SA, otherwise known as sexual assault, um mm -hmm. other than movies that include that kind of stuff, I there are very few movies that make me as uncomfortable as Black Christmas does. Fair enough. It is you know, it has the honor of being called like a proto slasher because it was this movie does predate Halloween considering Halloween came out in 78. Um so it does it, it does predate so it is a proto slasher cuz it's never actually because the killer's never actually identified. So, um, but yeah, just, if you've never seen the original 1974 version, I'm not talking about the fucking remake from fucking 2000 whatever, and I'm definitely not talking about that piece of crap from last year, or the year before. Um, go watch the original 1974. Like, it is... It is hands down one of the best fucking horror movies of all time. And for number three, I went with a Rob Zombie flick. 
And obviously, Rob Zombies has a very famous trilogy called the Firefly Trilogy. Not a movie from that, because like we specified here, they are not, um, they're not fucking, we're going for non-franchise. Uh, Lords of Salem. Have you ever seen this fucking flick? Uh, I don't think I have. Dude, watch it. It is a complete mind fuck. I'm just going to give you this very basic description that we have on, that I have on IMDb here. Heidi, a radio DJ played by Sherry Moon Zombie, um, is sent a box containing a record, a gift from, a, a gift from the Lords. The sounds within the grooves of the record trigger flashbacks of her town's violent past. So, and it starts like slowly driving her insane. And there's like this big, there's like this. I really don't even know how to explain it. I watched this movie just on a whim a few years ago because I was going through the Rob Zombie movies and I was like, hey, I haven't fucking seen this one. I was blown the fuck away by how much I enjoyed it. Like, it is completely different from any, like, <coughs> excuse me, it, it, if I'm not mistaken, it does borrow maybe a couple of things from the, from the Firefly trilogy, um, but, uh, for the most part, it stands on its own. It has no connection to the other three movies, it has no connection to any other movie that he's done before. This one is fantastic, and I highly suggest you check it out. Uh, I'm looking at it, and it looks like it looks like it's a it's a Blumhouse film, isn't it? Before Blumhouse became Blumhouse. Uh, let's take a look here. Uh, no, fucking director Rob Zombie, writer Rob Zombie. Uh, Lords of Salem is the third film from Haunted Movies, and if you go to Haunted Movies, it goes straight to Blumhouse. Oh, okay then. So yeah, that was a movie that came out under what Blumhouse used to be known as, I guess. Um, yeah, the first two being uh, Insidious that's and right. The Bay. Um, uh, oh, Haunted Movies was a subdivision of Blumhouse before they just like completely made everything it. under the Blumhouse ma uh, name. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, regardless, I would highly suggest you check it out. Cause I definitely want to hear your thoughts on it. I'll even fucking rewatch it so we can have like an adept conversation about it. Um, okay. <laughs> and I, I'm down. I actually have two honorable mentions here and I might get some fucking contention on them, but this is my fucking opinion, so anyone out there who wants to fucking give me shit about it, um, well, I got a couple of birds on my hands for you. Um, so the first honorable mention that I want to bring up is Brightburn. Ooh, okay. I, once again, I don't want to give away really anything, but basically, I think this is a James Gunn movie, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it is James Gunn, uh, made by made by him and his brothers, if I remember correctly. More than likely. <laughs> um, the thing that I absolutely love about this movie is, yes, it is a it is kind of like a superhero story, but it takes a 
just horrific fucking turn at one point and just completely spits on the concept of with great power comes great responsibility. I I fucking oh, love yeah, it. The, the long and short of what this film is. What if Superman was realistic and not a fucking Boy Scout? No, uh, well, I would say what if Superman was evil when he was growing up, but yeah, sure. I mean... Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't like... Look, I'm going to say this fucking right now. I might have said it before. I don't fucking like Superman. I The only time I like Superman is when he turns into a fucking jackass because I never bought the whole fucking Boy Scout thing in the first place. I knew it was all just a fucking act. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> uh, my other honorable mention is going to have to be Cabin in the Woods. Oh, yes, that's such a good like, one. Like, granted, it's one of those movies where it's really only good for one watch, if I'm being real here. Like, because once you know the fucking twist, it kind of, like, it kind of just puts a damper on the rest of the movie. You know what I mean? But... I wouldn't say that. I I think it's, it's good, definitely good on a second watch, because then you can start... Like, knowing what's going on, you can start picking it apart. Yeah, picking out all the references and shit like that. Yeah, the Easter eggs, and it's like, uh, like, there was some, like, on a first watch, because it subverts so many expectations about the horror genre, it kind of, like, it it not only flips it on its head, but justifies the original tropes. That's the thing that Um, I love about this flick. (laughs) Yeah, so it's just like, you can kind of pick it out, okay, this this is what's happening here, you know, this is... This is how it ties in there. This is a justification for this. Okay, here's a little Easter egg. Here's an Easter egg. Oh, you know, like, uh, it's not said, but, like, this is how that would work. And, like, this is the scene where, you know, this and that. And you can really, like, you can really, as as a horror movie buff, you can pick it apart to almost no end. Oh, yeah. So it's definitely worth, worth multiple watches. But, yes, when it comes to, when it comes to the big twists... And there, there's more than one, so I'm definitely saying twists. Right. Um, when it comes to those, like, yeah, they hit hardest on the first watch, but god damn, is it a good flick to yeah, watch. Yeah, I... Especially to get people's reactions to who haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, and what I think is absolutely hilarious about this movie is it was shot and film. It, it, it was shot and produced before Thor was... Or before Chris Hemsworth was Thor. But it came mm-hmm. out after the Avengers. <laughs> yeah. So that's always something that I love about this fucking movie. But yeah, I, I fucking love this goddamn movie. If you haven't fucking seen it, I implore you to give it a watch. The diner. That's all I'm going to say. Yep. The diner. <laughs> all right. So that wraps up this little like kind of like deviation of uh uh from the horror movie talk one quick thing just because i totally forgot about it um when we were talking about the uh scary moments in non-scary games uh before the Uh break one that i absolutely must bring up because we are as we titled an episode simps for peter parker um Mm. the final level of spider-man 2000 Oh yeah, <laughs> with, with fucking 
with fucking the Carnage Doc. Yes, with Monster Ock. Yeah. That is hands down to this day still one of the most stressful chase scenes in video games. Oh yeah. Like oh yeah. I and like to this day, I am a grown ass adult now. I am 27 years old. I still get tense playing this fucking part of the game. <laughs> um uh, we got to we got to play that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, there's a lost play there's a lost it. playthrough yeah. of it, but yeah, we'll definitely have to start it over. Um <laughs> And uh before we move on, just one more thing for me. Uh, three more horror movies that if you haven't watched them, I highly recommend uh, a movie called Hush. Uh, it's uh, basically home invasion from the perspective of a deaf woman. And it's fucking beautiful. Um, there's one called The Intruders, which again, home invasion, but it flips it. Okay. Where the the home invaders are the victims. I like it. I'll let you stew on that for a minute. Um, and then the last one, It Comes at Night. Okay. Which is another A24 production, uh, which that one, like, so it is horror. It's very slow burn. And I mean very slow burn, <laughs> which I'm totally fine with. Um, But is more focused as, like, a psychological film rather than, you know, something like a slasher or or anything like that. Like it's very it's very human. Mm-hmm. And I do emphasize human because that that's the biggest showcase. Yeah. Um it, it, it it's not quite zombie apocalypse, but it's it, it has that that feel and that edge to yeah. it. Yeah. In a very in a very odd way. Uh I'm not quite sure if it would be considered a horror movie, so let's just throw it into the honorable mention category kind of going along with the home invasion kind of subject matter. Uh, your next mm-hmm. is a fantastic film. Is that the one where the, the, animal the main masked. chick survived? Like she, she survived, uh, uh, something like that. They're at like a dinner party and, and she flips it on them. Yeah. Is that the one I'm yep. thinking of? Oh, that's such a good yeah, one. That is a, Another fantastic one. Oh, God, yeah. So, unfortunately, because me and Fish are so good at this fucking getting sidetracked stuff, every week, every <laughs> week for like the past like month and a half or so, it's becoming very clear why this podcast has its name, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. And like, so we're, we try to keep on track, but obviously that doesn't work. Now, just imagine personal conversations because this is this is exactly what we do. <laughs> oh, that reminds me of this, and oh, that reminds me of that. And do you remember this? And it just goes. It doesn't even go completely off the rails. It goes completely out of orbit. Yeah, seriously. But yeah, we are going to bring today's conversation to an end here. Uh, unfortunately, we did not get in any talk about Friday the Thirteenth, but that's just because they're. Like I've said a couple of times on this podcast this month already, like we are, there is, when it comes to the topic of horror, we can literally go in any direction for hours about it. Yeah. 
Plus, I mean, like, Friday the 13th, with it being as massive as it is, and, like, such such a staple in the horror genre, like, yeah. y- you gotta give it the time it deserves. Exactly. So... And then hopefully we can talk about the, the TV stuff, too. Yeah. Because, like, that's, that's gonna be a, a fun, fun convo Yeah, as well. so next week is going to be our last uh, October spooky-themed episode, because, well, Halloween is the following Monday after our next after our next episode so yep uh we are going to get in as much as we possibly can uh for for that episode uh so we're definitely going to be talking about friday the 13th we're going to be talking about uh our favorite like horror halloween not horror but halloween tv shows and specials from like whether we were growing up or even recently and honestly, I feel like because we kind of danced around it the whole time, we need to at least slightly address the Halloween series. Um. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, fucking. This has been the Derailed Podcast. I am Kama. He is Fish, and we will see you guys next week for the final Spooky Month episode. Oh my God! The Strangers. Fuck.